Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. And today we got some new stuff to talk about. We got the first coaching change of the season. We got a couple teams kind of stumbling to the finish line of this first half of the season. And then we got the all-star team to react to. So a lot of stuff to discuss. I'm getting ready to – I'm looking forward to get into it. Phil, we good to go? All right, let's not waste any time and talk the coaching change. So first – Coaching change of the season. Minnesota Timberwolves resign or not resign or part ways, whatever the word is. Part ways with Ryan Saunders, his name is? Yes, Ryan Saunders. Yes. Yes, Ryan Saunders. Saunders And in the nick of time, managed to find a new coach, Chris Finch, from the Toronto Raptors organization, kind of in that Nick Nurse coaching tree. Another guy that worked his way up the ranks, doesn't have NBA, NBA playing experience, but has been around the game for a while. And he's now the head coach, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, there was a lot of reaction to this, Phil. A lot of reaction for a probably inconsequential move in the grand scheme of this season. Obviously, a coaching change is always important for the, the future of whatever team made the change. But looks like Minnesota is pretty much going to do nothing this year, especially with the Angel Russell injury. Like, this team is kind of just going to suck and be one of the worst teams in the league, probably the worst team in the league at this point. So right, it's not just, like – Yeah, know, just rides made like people that are lottery really expecting again. him to change that. But there were a lot of reaction. You know, the, the Coaches Association came out with a, a statement saying that they were a little disappointed in the hiring process. It was definitely bizarre. Um, I definitely have some thoughts on it, but I'll let you start out. What was your initial reaction to just the whole way this thing went down? Yeah, no, I mean – it was a it was a good day for us overall because that coach change came off the heels mm-hmm. of a Knicks win. That was fun to see, and I think that was I don't know when the last time we've actually <laughs> got a coach fired or you know helped help that be the position. But yeah, the whole thing was just kind of weird. It was they must have had like everything kind of working behind the scenes, and you wonder how that kind of reflects on Ryan Saunders throughout the season. He must have known like he was on the hot seat, and they were actively looking for people. They must have had him in for interviews and whatnot. So. I would assume most of the people in the situation kind of knew everything that was going on. And you just hope that like Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, maybe even Anthony Edwards were kind of kept in the loop on what kind of coaching decisions were made and how they want to form the team going forward, as opposed to just, you know, working it out within the front office. Yeah. I think the strangest thing, and you touched on it was the fact that it kind of seemed pre-orchestrated and listen, I'm, I didn't yeah. watch a ton of Minnesota up to this year. Um, off the top of my head, I think I've seen three full Minnesota games. <laughs> I watched both of their games against Golden State when they were on national TV for a couple nights. Then I obviously watched when they played the Knicks. Right. You know, this team is not good. It's not a good roster. But I know that sentiment around Ryan Saunders, especially with the fan base, was not good. A lot of a lot of people wanted him out. They didn't think he was the guy for the job. The team lacked intensity, whatever you want to make of it. So I'm not out here trying to vouch for Ryan Saunders being the coach. But it is strange that it's very clear that they knew the direction they wanted to go to. So I don't even know like why he was the coach to begin with, you know, like Gershon Rosas, who is the, I think that's the name Gershon Rosas. Yeah. He's the, he's the GM yeah. and he's been there not too long. I'm just going to double check when he came on, but not too. It was at like yeah, two yeah. or three years ago. Yeah. People were really 2019. excited when he came so May 2019. Yeah. So he came on, um, this is essentially – he's only had one full season under his belt with Minnesota. I, so I just get the impression that 
he never wanted Ryan Saunders to be the coach. So that's why I'm just confused as to why it's not like last year was anything special. I mean, there's a reason they got the first overall pick. It didn't work. So I'm just confused as to why they didn't make this move in this prior offseason. Like, did they think that there was a chance Ryan Saunders was going to turn this thing around and they'd be a playoff contender? I mean, I, I understand that there's a lot of injury problems with the team, and I don't think any coach would have done well with the the cards that he was dealt this season. But it's just weird that Gerson yeah. Rosas, it's very evident to me that Ryan Saunders was not his guy. We see a lot of the time front offices they want to they want their guys right they, they they would rather go down with the guys they pick than with the guys that other player that um executives before him chose yeah and we kind of saw that, that they got. a little yeah. bit like with mike miller i do think that there actually is a world where mike miller would have stayed head coach because he did pretty well but i think that the new regime coming in said you know let's throw this all out i understand that you did fine but we want to kind of build our own thing and I see a similar thing happening with Minnesota. So I'm just confused why this change didn't happen in the offseason. I'm, you know, it's, it's weird that they waited 33 games into the year to, or 30, whatever, one. I think they put 33 right now, but 30 some odd games into the year to make this change. It's, it's strange. Yeah, it's basically what you were saying before. Like, if they were to make this move, realistically, why not do it during the offseason or next offseason and just give them a whole year? Because, realistically going in in the middle of the season finding a coach like what they did I assume they did it probably throughout the beginning of the season they were just coach hunting and meeting with other guys that's not going to get you the best opportunity maybe yeah. someone else comes on the market and that's a better opportunity for yeah you I mean they're all in coach. on this Chris Finch guy and listen I don't think anybody really knew him before the fact you know like we're, we're kind of seeing this wave and we saw it with Indiana they got Nick Bjorkren uh this wave of especially smaller market teams I think are going to target some of these kind of lower profile um, coaches and yeah, the Nick, the nurse, Nick nurse tree. I mean, it's, it's obviously I very don't interesting know, to Dagenal, see all in Oklahoma city is from that tree, but like a similar thing there where they kind of work their way up and they're not going to just make the big splash hiring. And I don't have a problem with that, that method. You know, I, I like kind of seeing new minds and uh, I, I've, I've always kind of not been a fan of the whole like recycling coaches around the league. Like I, I like seeing new faces yeah. involved so it's, I'll give him a chance. I don't know a whole lot about him, admittedly. But, yeah, the process was just very strange in general. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we saw kind of that idea of, like, a new coach coming out of the market and having that instant success. I think, like, two years ago, and like Nick Nurse and Kenny Atkinson were kind of, like, the new faces in the market. And it was kind of like on the NFL when I think it was the Rams. They had that, like, 30 30- – five-year-old coach and then they went to maybe the Super Bowl and everyone was like wow like this is like amazing we need we all need like young coaches and then yeah. that whole wave happened and then just now, yeah. it, now yeah. it's like that so maybe we're starting to see the beginning the yeah, ushering we'll see. I mean, that era Finch another guy he had D-League experience he, he coached the G-League back when it was called the D-League and I kind of miss it being called the D-League Phil I don't know I, we've, we've gone we've gone very we've gone very yeah, used I, to I, it. Like the D-League. I, I like the D-League it makes more sense anyway uh, and he's kind of bounced around as like an assistant. He's in yeah, Houston, uh, Denver, New Orleans, Toronto. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I, I think it, like Minnesota probably needed a new, a new chapter. But yeah, it, it was it was very. It, it kind of came off as like amateurish the way that the the process went down. Speaking of Minnesota and the G League or D League, however you want to refer to it, have you watched? I have not the G League Ignite team. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I know. You know. I've watched too much. To. Too. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very I'm, interesting. I'm locked into like five hours every night. It's it's not fair to my mind and body to 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 sit down at 11 a.m. and watch G League. It's just not fair. Just throwing it's a matinee. <laughs> All right. Well, well, you missed the, the Memphis. I saw Kai Soto's not coming yesterday. back though. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of drama around it. Apparently, people are saying that like, people are in his ear and that he doesn't have a good support system. Like, people are saying he might be undrafted now. I don't know, but he because he 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 left the team to go to the Philippine uh, national team, but people thought. Oh, you were saying Deshaun Nix? No, did Kai that. Soto. I, like, I don't think so. <laughs> I know, but last time we checked in, I was t- telling you about Deshaun Nix, and you're like, yeah, "Oh, I think really?" He left to go to no, no. I was I was go to another team. Yeah, I was, yeah. Kai Soto. I was like, "What?" Yeah, he he oh, okay. he left to go to right, the national team, but people thought he was going to come back, and they're like, "Nah, he's not." <laughs> so everybody's very confused. Oh, and it's like not really good luck. Well, I mean, so yeah, that's kind of weird. Right. He didn't really get much playing time when he was here, so maybe that yeah, like, maybe. started the the trend. But I mean, going to an even smaller, like televised or viewable situation where mm-hmm. where where did you say Philippines? That's just not going to help his draft stock. I'll be he may get more playing. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to the national team because they're doing some event. Yeah. Oh, so do they have? Like, I think a it's season? some kind of like, I don't know. It's some weird like FIBA event, I believe. I think I, I don't know if that one. Yeah, I have seen that Joe Johnson's also playing in the Amer the America Cup. They call oh, it. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No, it's been going like on for thing? years. I mean, nobody ever cares about it. Like they usually take like G League players. Last year, Tyler Roberson played. Uh, yeah, it goes on, but nobody cares because it's in the NBA season. So. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that's All enough right. coach talk. I think let's talk about some. T- Let's talk about some teams that enough low level actually matter. Or we thought were going to matter. All right, the second team definitely matters. The first team we got to have some conversations about, and that's the Boston Celticsville. You've kind of been you kind of been trailing this team for a little bit. I don't know. You know, you've kind of had the you've been sniffing around. I'm not going to lie, and the season's obviously not over. Ton of time to go, but you're a little ahead of the curve in a way about the trajectory of this team for this season at least. Boston. It's not looking good right now. They're they've dipped below 500. They're 15 and 17. Really bad loss last night to Atlanta. Right now, just in terms of ranks, they're 17th in defense, 14th in offense. So pretty much just average across the board. And Jalen and Jason are doing their thing, but outside of that, it's a whole lot of question marks. Obviously, the Marcus Smart injury has been bad. It's been you know that that's that's definitely. Yeah, I think it's important. You can't you can't pivotal. go uh, unmentioned, but they're still losing games that I don't think we expected them to lose. Where are you sitting right now, at Boston, Phil? Like, where's the panic meter? Uh, what is I, yeah, it, I, I, I looked it up. So retcon one is actually the most worrisome. So okay. yeah, so <laughs> retcon five is not that big of an emergency. Okay. All right. I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you're looking at this team as a whole. Like, if you came into the, the season with, like, what I thought they were going to be, which is a decent playoff team, right now I wouldn't be that worried with them. Probably, like, a four, a light four, because they're eventually going to right the ship. Think uh, Marcus Smart's going to come back. Kemba Walker's going to get in some kind of flow, and they're going to be able to depend on the bench like they haven't been able to the past few games or most of the season. 
So once that kind of comes around and they get into shape more, things will start to turn around. We've seen a lot more production from Naismith, and I assume that's going to happen when like Langford starts to show up and Peyton Pritchard kind of comes back from that injury he was struggling with. So, yeah, it's not too worrisome right now. But for the championship guys, I, I that would be a real concern, probably like a two, because I never thought they were going to be a championship contender this year. I don't know how they look going forward, but if they don't make any specific changes, like this is kind of what yeah, you're running with for I a while. Can't disagree with anything you're saying there. You know, I think a lot of the concern coming out of Boston is obviously this year matters every year. You want to be as good as you can, but I think it's more so coming from a place of long-term concern because they're looking at this, they're looking at this roster and they have two star players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, great draft picks. And they're just, and part of this is on Danny Ainge. Part of this is bad luck, but for whatever reason, they have not managed to get those pieces around the edges to make this team a legit contender. I mean, when you have two star players like that, you don't need to do a whole lot to be at the top of the East. You know, I mean, these guys made the all-star team deserved. I don't like how people are saying that just because they're below 500, they don't need to be, they should be on the all-star team. It's not how it works. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you got no, two star both, players, yeah. and outside of that, Phil, it's like a lot of first round picks that aren't really panning out. Obviously, the Kemba Walker contract. I mean, we could do a whole segment on him. It's just, it's just so up and down with him, his performance, and I don't really see this contract aging too well in the future. So, I, I yeah, yeah, and you look at the just a quick addition of that. You look at the pain from the last year of Gordon Hayward's contract, which would have been this year and how he's doing in Charlotte. And it's just, yeah, it's it, tough to it bear. It is tough. I mean, even look at who essentially they flipped in that contract because I believe it was a sign trade when they shipped off Terry Rozier. I mean, right. Terry Rozier has more value than Kemba Walker at this point, which is crazy to say, but it's, it's the truth. Yeah. So yeah, listen, I, I, I came into the season kind of seeing Boston as like a second tier playoff team. I still view them as that. You know, a team that uh, I still think has talent, and when they they get right and they get healthy, they can give anybody a good series. I don't really think they're a legit contender to win the Eastern Conference. I didn't think that coming to the year, but again, a lot of the concern, more so, especially coming out of Boston, is probably long term based. Everybody wants Danny Ainge to make a move. I'm not sure exactly what the move is. Vucevic, we've talked about that would make sense. I'm not sure how much you're going to give up for him. I don't know how much Orlando wants. There's been reports that Orlando doesn't even want to move on from Vucevic. So it's tough. It's a tough situation. Like when you look at this roster, say you were handed the keys, what would your, I'm not saying there'd be a move to make, but what would your focus be going forward? Like what kind of direction would you try to head in to make this team better? Not only for this season, but to put them in a position to succeed in the future. I mean, in my opinion, it's kind of tough because you've really, narrowed yourself into this role like you've committed to it the Kemba contract in my like from the way things are looking and how they're going to shake out for the next few years yeah. like you're kind of stuck with that you just hope he can kind of come around and become an off-ball shooter and become a lot more effective in that role because right now it's mm-hmm. not looking promising and like you need you need a full-time positional guard I was always a fan of Malcolm Brogdon I always wanted the Celtics to scoop him up so it would just make a lot of sense especially with the way Brad Stevens loved to do is switch everything big guards but didn't happen. Uh, I think they need a big man too. It's it's tough. They're running out a really it is tough. It's tough. Unit. It, they're, they're it's a hard team to 
kind of gauge right now. And listen, like stuff hasn't gone their way recently. I mean, we saw the end of the Dallas game. Yeah, yeah, Luca Luca goes crazy games. and makes some shots yeah. that you're just gonna have to live with. And they lose that game. New Orleans goes into overtime. That was a bad loss. Like I can't say, you know, like they deserve to lose that yeah. game. But also overtime, like those kind of those games can also go one way or the other. Um, last night was really bad. <laughs> that was probably the worst loss in a while. Just got absolutely demolished by Atlanta. It was a 15 point game, but I think it was 20 plus at half. Trey Young going bonkers. J- Jason Tate. Yeah, you, I did. You Graham seem tossing off the Williams, back of yeah. somebody when he's inbounded. Um, was... Jason Tatum going four for twenty. There, there's also like a sneaky thing going on with Jason Tatum. Like I don't love his shot selection this year, and I, I'm a, I'm a huge Tatum guy. I I think that he's got MVP potential. Like, you know, he, he's that good on both ends. But I I think that even though like the, the numbers are good overall, and he he's definitely deserved an All Star, tw- about twenty six points per game, seven rebounds, all that like. I, I think that – I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's maybe his mentality coming into the season. But it's a lot of settling from Tatum. It's a lot of, like, if he's – you know, you know if he's not hitting those pull-up jumpers, he's not always going to have an efficient night because the free throw rate is still kind of meh. He's getting to the line five times a game. Like I, I'd, I'd like to see that number get higher. So I'm not, I'm not blaming this season on Tatum at all. Like, there's really – not much to say about like, like yeah. he's not even close to the issue, but just a little tidbit that like when he has a bad game, it gets tough for this team to manufacture offense. Like they, they get into ruts in the half court and they just kind of look to Jason and Jalen to, to create something out of nothing. And when those mid range pull-ups, when those step back threes aren't falling, like it can look ugly. So I, they got to find a way to get better shot. They got to find a way to get to the rim more. I know they don't have much of a front court, a front front court presence, but overall, it just seems like a struggle for the Celtics right now. So, yeah, I want to touch on that Jason Tatum mid mid range type thing right now because basically, what it seems like is Jason Tatum's usually seasons past most or the bulk of his opportunities or touches is going to be in like that mid range kind of in the post right outside the block, and he can just ISO and like produce or create buckets or get fouls. I don't think he's getting that opportunity in that specific space anymore because of the non three point yeah, threats yeah. that they have at the center now. So like with Robert Williams in, they can just clog the paint. Jason Tatum doesn't have those opportunities. Then he has to start with his ISO up at the wing on the three point line. And then you're just kind of like, that's 15 or 10 feet farther out. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely not a desirable environment right now for an offensive player like him. And especially when Kemba's just, missing so many shots i mean he, he like he he's he's had a few opportunities and, he's and so he many. actually made a big shot against dallas but in the in the past few games like he's had opportunities to just kind of really make big shots like and, he, and he's gotten good looks and they're just not falling they're not falling at all so when you, when you don't have anybody else to lean on it makes it very difficult especially at the point guard position and they don't they don't really have a real backup right now and Payne pitcher's good right. for a rookie but they're not going to throw him into the crunch time at this point in time so, yeah, that's where we are with Boston. Um, we'll see. They're going to be definitely the biggest buyer, you would think, at the trade deadline. I'm not sure exactly where they turn, but for now. Yeah, I mean, also with the point guard, I mean, when Marcus Smart comes back, he'll probably be your end of the end of the game kind of finisher where he's the point guard de facto or Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum's bringing it up. 
and he's just kind of guarding your best. Yeah, guard he'll definitely help defensively, guard. and will maybe take a little bit of the pressure off of Kemba. But Kemba's got to shoot the ball better if he's going to play more off ball because he has to, he has to play more off ball because they have two better two better decision uh, decision makers, two better scorers. So he's got to get used to flowing around the perimeter and making some threes, and right now it's not happening. So, yeah, that's where all we're at with Boston. <laughs> they need the all-star that's where break, we're at, yeah. and we'll just kind of continue to monitor this team. It doesn't get too much easier to, end, to, to get into the all-star break. They got Indiana, Washington, Clippers, Raptors. Um, you would think Washington would be a game they should win, but they lost to them not too long ago. And then Pacers, Clippers, Raptors, that, those are all going to be tough games. Raptors kind of find their stride a little bit. Even though they lost to the Heat last night, they're playing a lot better. So, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be tough. It's going to be tough to close out the season, but Celtics definitely a team to monitor. We go with them? All right, let's talk, oh, yeah, let's we're talk good. Lakers. Let's talk Lakers. Uh, Los, Ange- Los Angeles Lakers. I, I feel like we oh. haven't talked about them too much this year, and, and for good reason. I, I don't even want to get, like, too deep into the weeds because – we know, we know the circumstance, but the facts are the facts. Lakers have lost four straight games. Honestly, they should have. They probably should have lost more games. Like they they had some ridiculous wins against the Pistons and the Thunder, where they they really didn't play well and kind of just eked it out. But Lakers are they've lost four straight. They're sitting at third in the West right now. Last night was a just a a decimation of basketball, where the Jazz did everything they wanted. Lakers did nothing. I, I really have nothing positive to say about the Lakers did last night. So that and that game, I'm not too alarmed by the outcome, but the effort yeah. and just the overall just vibe seemed very off with the Lakers. I didn't like what I saw on either end. They seemed aimless. They seemed kind of sleepwalky, and there was there was bickering. There was some bad body language. I, I didn't like it at all. But yeah, that's where we're at the Lakers. We we know we know what's happening though. No AD, no Schroeder. Like, where where are you with them? I mean, last night I wouldn't really qualify as like a very important or can take a good impression away of how the Lakers will look. The Jazz were, you know, they were you were looking at them as at their best opportunities, and they knew coming in that they wanted you know play at the big boy table and go into the Lakers when they're weak. They could really show something. But realistically, we'll never get to actually compare it. Like when Rudy Gobert is just getting lob after lob, like how is that going to look when AD is yeah. actually in the picture? And when they need an offensive spurt and LeBron's, you know, he's kind of off to the side, like Dennis Schroeder will be able to make up yeah. for those opportunities. But overall, Lakers, it's been funky with the four games. The Wizards game was close. I believe the game right before that was close. But on this four-game streak, I think they've had two very close games and then this blowout with Brooklyn and then the recent blowout with Utah. And I think a lot of it is just kind of like trying to figure out the kinks because running LeBron LeBron at point guard full-time is not really going to solve your problem. The Lakers need to play with a lot of pace. And with LeBron at the point, their pace, at least last year when they ran him for like the first half of the season or first quarter, and then these few games, like it's been significantly slower. Yeah, and you're right. There definitely has been some games that go either way. But, I mean, that Washington game, they're up 17 points and they blow it. So, like, you know, that, that's a game you, you got to finish. I understand that you don't have your guys, but that's a game right. you got to finish. You're right. Like, Truder and AD, I mean, AD, we, like, obviously, if, they're, if he's not around, this team's doing nothing. 
that goes without saying, without being said. Schroeder, probably the third most important player in my eyes because he's really the only other guy you can give the ball to and initiate some kind of pick-and-roll action, put pressure on the defense, take advantage of a switch. I mean, nobody's taking advantage of switches right now. Like, you can switch on the Lakers all you want because the, on, the only guy that's doing anything on a switch is LeBron. And then even when you got a switch on him, you can double and make them swing the ball, and they're probably missing a three. They, 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 can't, they can't shoot for anything right now. Yeah. So – KCP needs to get bullied by the Twitter. Web Matthews has been taking all the heat. Don't don't you worry. But right now, yeah, I mean, they're 18th in offense, so that's not good. And it wasn't that good even with AD. It was around 15th, but it's kind of dipped now. They're, they're down on the, the lower half of the league. Their defense is still solid, although last night they got picked apart. So, yeah, it's I, I can't really get worried like you can. If anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt, is the Lakers defending champions. I mean, LeBron has made a living off of just – kind of feeling our regular seasons and doing what he has to do in the playoffs. So I'm not concerned. I do think that the lack of shooting is a little bit troublesome, a little bit. I think that's the, that's the thing I'm most concerned about because, listen, Lakers were great last year. Great team, deserved to win the title, champions. They're going to play better teams this year. They just are. I think that, you know, the, the team that comes out of the East, we think it's going to be Brooklyn. If Sony managed to be Brooklyn, they are more dangerous than the Miami Heat were last year. They, they, they just were, especially the Miami Heat that were riddled with injuries. So, you know, like you're, you're going to have to up your game offensively. Like this is a team that's going to score. I know that the Lakers play good defense, but they are going to need to get consistent shot. Again, I know they got it last year. They got Rajon Rondo, really found his groove. KCP was awesome, but it's going to have to be even – it's going to have to be ratcheted up this season. Uh, Utah has – I'm not, like, bought into them as a real contender, but if you don't if, if you don't show up and score, like, this, this is a team that gets buckets pretty easily. Uh, they have a great system. They spread it out, and Rudy Gobert is a big-time threat down low. So e- even when you have a D, if they're hitting their shots, like, they're, they're going to score a lot. So that's the one thing I'm concerned about offensively. Are they going to be able to – hit their shots when they have to because they know we know their half-court offense can get into a little bit of a rut sometimes and can get a little mucky and ugly and just LeBron, AD, just, you know, barreling in, post-ups, post double Packing teams, away. kickouts, whatever you need to do. But it, it, it's not always a smooth flow. That's the one thing I'm concerned about is are those shooters going to show up again? Because right now I'm looking on the roster and outside of KCP, I'm not really I'm, – I'm not – confident in any of these shooters at all yeah I mean from from the beginning of this season like I've kind of looked at it or watching the games like these Lakers remind me a lot of the 2017-2018 mm. Cavs where it seems like they're just going to sleepwalk through the majority of the season and they're going to start to actually feel it out once it gets into that third quarter third quarter to fourth quarter or third to fourth piece of the games that are left and then at that point we're going to actually see like how they're clicking, whether they're clicking. Because obviously LeBron and AD will be able to turn it on when it gets to that point. But if KCP or Alex Caruso or Wesley Matthews aren't in rhythm, that could be a big problem. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are going to be pivotal. And either they make their shots or they don't. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big part of their performance. They're, they're going to get looks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually concerned about the Lakers. Like, this, it's going to be tough without AD. Like, like this roster is not good yeah. right now. You know, I mean, we remember how much, I don't know if it would be tough. I think it would just be like annoying. Yeah, it would be a yeah, hindrance. For sure. So we'll see. We'll see with this team. 
I don't have any reason to be overly concerned. It kind of sucks that they don't have Anthony Davis, but again, fan base deserves benefit of the doubt. It is the Lakers, so we'll just kind of have to feel it out. Did uh, it, has your has your Utah confidence improved at all? At all? Uh, we we did this. Uh, Nate Nate texted me yesterday with a little experiment for some uh, for some playoff percent or Con- championship yeah, conference or championship finals percentages. percentages. Yeah, I had Utah sitting. I think you had a little less. I had them sitting at like a ten, but I mean, it's I, I would probably keep where they're at. They look strong. Just you know what you're going to get if yeah. they if they're all on, but. We don't know what the opposition will be able to actually offer them or defend them when they're at full strength. It would be more interesting right now to see Utah play the Clippers because they're a little bit. Yeah, more I'm still like, yeah, I, I think I had the Jazz. I put them as like a seven percent chance to win the West, which I, I think is fair. I don't know. That seems fair to me. Um, no, yeah, yeah I mean, so I'm not far off. I'm still, I'm still a little concerned about what is going to happen defensively. When teams go five out and force go and and take Gobert out of the paint, and then offensively, right. I mean, like we we know what they do, they spread it out, and the Gobert rim run is so dangerous that it just sucks the defense in and a complete and uh, it creates so much space. But you know what, what's going to happen when a team maybe switches and forces Gobert post ups because. I think that's another thing. Like very few teams are actually equipped to on offense, go five out because you have to have a center. That's a legitimate threat. And not a lot of teams have those. And then on defense, a switchable team where you don't like create that two on one situation off of the pick and roll. And you're able to kind of go mano a mano and maybe body up, go bear on the roll and not have your whole defense be compromised. I think the Clippers are pretty well equipped for, equipped for that. I think the Lakers definitely are with Anthony Davis. So, and, and then on offense, like when the game slows down, are they going to be able to keep up with obviously the superstars of the league? So it's just hard. Like there's really no precedent right now for the, a team like the Jazz beating a team like the Lakers. I mean, how are the Nuggets? Yeah. So that's yeah. Those are the two big problems as opposed to like, the Suns or the Clippers, where Rudy can kind of just chill in the paint. Yeah, so Jazz, they're killing it. They deserve attention. But right now, it's kind of one of those things where we got to see it to believe it. And I'm rooting for them. You know, yeah, I want to have to wait till, till it's on the line. I want to prove us wrong. But right now, they are a good team that's doing great things in the regular but as I said before, it's not really a precedent for a team like the Jazz making major damage in the playoffs just because I don't know if they have enough offensive individual weapons. But we will see. We will see. Let's uh, let's talk All-Star quick. Want to talk All-Star? Transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transition. Cool. All right, NBA All-Star. So the reserves have been announced. I'm going to name them real quick. And then, Phil, I want you to tell me if there's any snubs that you personally would have changed. Eastern Conference, reserves, Jalen Brown. James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Nikola Vucevic, Western Conference Reserves, Anthony Davis, who is now Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Zion Williamson. What are we thinking? First of all, I just want to say I thought it was really funny. I'm sure you saw the same stuff where like AD got in and 
Phoenix fans were absolutely just tearing the world down. They were on Twitter just rampaging, being like, this is this is ridiculous. How is Devin Booker not in the All-Star game? And everyone who's made All-Star predictions throughout the season said that eight, or at least the beginning or the end of the All-Star like predictions, they everyone said AD was going to be in. And then whenever he gets subbed out, it was going to be either Chris Paul gets in or Devin Booker gets in. And whoever wasn't in was already in, in the original All-Star reserve. Yeah. But no, the Phoenix just had to be so pissed. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, what were your takeaway? Like, who, do you have anybody on the – I think the West is pretty slated fair. Like, I can't really argue anything. It's kind of tough. The East maybe is a little more interesting. Did you have anybody that really stood out to you? I would have gone – I would have gone Middleton over Vucevic. Oh, all right. A little little love to the – uh two seed box or no three seed box yeah uh i think that even though that the bucks probably aren't where people would want them to be just given their dominance recently like they still have been with Joe drew holiday for a while i mean chris middleton chris middleton is practically 50 40 90 he's giving you 20 points per game he's giving you almost six assists per game too i mean like those are pretty crazy numbers like those are I don't know. I mean, Vucevic is really good right now, and he's he's doing it on essentially a G League roster with Orlando, so I get it. Like, I'm not going to make a huge fuss over it. But overall, defensively, still kind of underwhelming. Playmaking, still meh. Great scorer, great shooter, and rebounding numbers are, are solid as well. But overall, I think Vuce, uh, Middleton's been a better player than Vucevic. So that's the only change I would make, honestly. Yeah, my only Eastern Conference change was just Vucevic in for or out for Demonada Sabonis. Mm-hmm. I thought the way he's been carrying the Pacers, and I mean, he was playing really good in the beginning of the season. Yeah. He's kind of teetered off, but even that teeter off is still, I think it's like 22 and 11, and you're shooting good clips. So I don't know. He's kind of giving the same package Vucevic is doing, but on a more winning team. So I thought that would kind of be the sway. Sabonis so definitely could have gotten it. Sabonis so definitely could have gotten it. Other, other snub that people were talking about was Trey Young, yeah. which I think there's an argument to. Um, they're, they're a lot better with him on the court, so that's always a good thing. Like, their offense falls as a cliff with him off the floor. But overall, the, the, oh, that defense looking the, the defense still is good. And the Hawks have just been so underwhelming. Like, they're, they're a very frustrating team to watch. I've, I've seen a, a decent amount of Hawks games, and like, Trey's numbers are great, but – when he doesn't have like that's the only person playing well. Yeah, and when he every game, and he's also a guy that like when he doesn't have the ball, it's just it's just done. Like if you're defending him, you know, you you can just chill. You know, help in, crash the boards, do whatever you got to do, because he's not really making other players better in that regard. It's kind of Russell Westbrook syndrome in a way, where like the assist numbers are off the charts, but he's also not really helping of their players because when they have the ball, he's not doing anything to help them, which is, and it's kind of disappointing when you're Trey because he's such an amazing shooter that if he just bought in to some kind of off ball movement, then maybe, and maybe this is partly on the coaching staff too. I don't know, but like imagine if he was used as some kind of weapon. That would open their, yeah. Yeah. Open their offense so much. Right now it's just not really part of his game. So like the numbers are great, but at the same time you got to take them for what they are. I, I think Middleton has been much better just in the grand scheme of the game. I think he helps the team even when he doesn't have the ball. And defensively, he's much, much better. So, yeah, 
I'll go Chris Middleton. I think he deserved it. Outside of that, though, I'm pretty cool with the All-Stars, honestly. Yeah, no, I think the triumvirate at the end is like Vucevic, Middleton, and Sabonis, and it's like you could swap any of them in and no one's really going to be too upset. Tobias Harris's dad is upset. Tobias Harris's dad, he could he can be upset. He's his agent. I did not know that. I, I didn't know that either. Interesting. <laughs> he's also a uh, – he's from New York. I think he's Long from Island. Toronto. Long Island. Long Island. Ah, even better. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, one quick thing on Trey Young. It's just interesting. Like, I've watched a sad amount of games to, to of the Hawks, and it's just interesting to see, like, they run the ball. It's always Trey with the ball in the hands. Their pickup for Danilo Gallinari, I forget how much they signed him for. He's basically just a glorified pick man. He doesn't even get the role. He just sets picks for Trey Young, and then he stands there. He doesn't get the ball. Yeah, he was crazy last night. He scored 38 points. But, I mean, that's probably the – the last time that's going to happen, there's a lot of games yeah. where he kind of seems pretty unengaged. And like that's the game with a lot of Hawks players. Like You don't really notice them. Even a guy like DeAndre Hunter, who's when he was – he's hurt right now. When he was playing, he was having a really nice season. Like It just didn't seem yeah, like he, he was that involved in the game. That's kind of a symptom of Trey. Where And he's a great guy. I don't want to – a great player. I don't want to make this a Trey bashing segment. But that's – people get a little deceived by the numbers, I think, when it comes to him. Yeah, he needs the shots. That's, I mean, he's a good player, but he definitely needs the shots to get to that good player mark. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not just going to take 10 shots and wow you. He's going to need a, a good chunk. Yeah, so overall, I'm pretty cool with the All Star game, though. I think we'll be. Yeah, can't complain. It'll be fun to see Julius. It will be fun to see Julius. I'm happy people, he got people in. People were arguing that tooth and nail. They were like, there's no way he's getting in. He doesn't deserve it. Yeah, the narrative really kind of shifted yeah. towards him. It, it became like a lock at a point. Yeah, and I mean, him and Levine were locks with Harden and Brown, and I guess it was kind of, I mean, Tatum was in there too, and then it was kind of like the Simmons getting in, and, and then the Vucevic-Middleton. Yeah. It's a bonus thing with a little storyline. Yep. Overall, I'm good with it, though. So that's where we're at with All-Stars. And should be... Speaking of Randall, do we want to watch how we'll mix? We'll chat. We'll we chat. saw the second second slate of the season. Yep, second half of the, of the schedule came out for all teams. But obviously, we're fixed on the Knicks. It ain't gonna be easy, Phil. It ain't gonna be easy. No, but... I guess I guess we were a little preoccupied with how much they were winning to really pay attention to who they were beating, because it seems like all of their easy games throughout the entirety of the season were in that first half. Maybe it was by design. Maybe it was Adam Silver just trying to pump some New York uh, New York fandom. But this second half of the season, they play essentially like eight games where they're the team they're playing is equal to or less than them. And I'm talking like Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit, um, Wizards, and... Thunder, they still have to play. I I, Thunder, that's what it was, yeah. So, like, it's just those teams, and it's only eight games, and you got a long slate of the May 2nd to May 11th. It's just a tough West road trip. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good teams they haven't played yet. They haven't played the Lakers yet. They've only played the Clippers once. They haven't played Phoenix yet. They haven't played Dallas yet. So it's not going to be easy. But I'm hoping that they can at least get in the top 10 and get some playing experience. It would really suck if they got the 11th because that would just suck. <laughs> I, you know, I, yeah. I, I do like what they're doing this season. And – I'm I'm cool with winning. Like I'm I'm rooting every game for them to win. I, I want them to win as many games as possible. But I think that as long as they they have to get some something out of it 
for me to really be satisfied with it, even if it's just into the play-in and get that that experience. As I said uh, with you earlier, kind of what happened with Memphis Grizzlies last year, even though, mm-hmm. even though they didn't win, they played Portland in that playoff game in the bubble. They, uh, it was, I think it's valuable. And we kind of saw John Morant, Rasty occasion, play in a playoff-type atmosphere. I think that's definitely important, especially for the young guys like RJ, Mitch, and then even Julius, who is younger than I think most people realize and hasn't played in a playoff game before. So that's it's very important for him too. So I think just for the whole team, it's definitely a positive if we can get into that play-in at the very least. Yeah, and then, I mean, probably next week we'll go deeper into like other teams' ease of schedule throughout. But just looking at it real quick out of curiosity, I checked out the Mavericks. They have probably around the same kind of schedule we are. We play them two times, and they have like eight teams that are – they play eight games that are like legitimately they're better than – or eight to nine games that they're legitimately better than the other team, where it's like the Cavs, the New York Knicks, the uh, Washington Wizards, and the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see because we have their pick. But yeah, I don't know. It'll be something – at least we have a little – ulterior motive to watch Mavs games yeah. also because Chris Stops is declining ever so oh, largely. Don't be, don't be mean to him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You want to be nice now? Be very, be very mean to him. But yeah, second half of the season. Right, it's, so. co- it's coming soon. We got one more week in this first half, but then we're all-star break it. Then we're, we're full throttle ahead. You know, I, I feel like the playoffs are going to be here before we know it. It's crazy because it's, yeah. it's, it's almost March and usually we're at like the tail end of the season. We still got a lot of basketball to play. But it's going to be condensed into a short period of time. So, I'll, right, so I'm looking forward to it. yourself lucky. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And we'll have hoop all the way through July, I believe. I think I think the finals, it yes, said it was going to end like July 22nd. That would be the latest. So, I think you're right. Still right. a heavy dose of summer hoop this year. Yes. Beautiful sight. Hopefully, they transition that into kind of keeping it the schedule as it is, but I assume not. I think they're going to try to make next season normal. I believe they got to. I mean, they were always talking about dawdling into the summer because they thought they could beat out baseball. I like, and I mean, yeah. they did that, but they couldn't. They had no competition. No, yeah. I like. They were just I like blown out schedule. the water. This schedule is fine. The the whole yeah. like, yeah, no, you can't go into the fall. You can't go into the fall. Yeah, but I'm cool with starting in December. October is kind of early. It's a little weird. Yeah, I mean, like no one's really watching anyway. Like people don't pick people up on basketball people watch, season people until... watch for a week and then take a break till February. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's usually what happens. So maybe we could ignite the ignite the base. Maybe. Maybe basketball will be popular ever. <laughs> All right, Phil. I think that'll do that for today. My name is Nate. That's that. my pod pal Phil. As always, check us out on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Hoopscoop Pod. Check us out on YouTube. We got a new video talking about Denver Nuggets and their trade possibilities. Watch that one on YouTube, Hoop Scoop. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.